This is an ABC podcast. Hello, Dr Anne Jones with you with a new episode of Off Track, the ABC's nature show. And today, Dr Anastasia Dalziel, who has spent years unpicking Lyrebird's song and dance, and as it turns out, Lyrebird sexual politics. She also recorded the majority of the sounds that you'll hear in today's show. Talk to the man and In the depths of winter, when lyrebirds are looking to mate, the males spend a lot of energy trying to copulate. And it starts in the forest that's still frosty from the night before. Male lyrebirds pull out all the stops to attract mates. I think it starts very early in the morning for the males. They have an elaborate dawn chorus and it goes on for ages and ages and ages. The males are singing from high in the tree and they just belt out these amazing recitals. So they mimic species after species after species in very rapid succession. It's amazing. And then they continue to try and attract a mate throughout the whole day. They are singing this recital song most of the time. But then things change if a female actually steps onto the male's territory. So you can watch this male who's busy singing or maybe he's taking a break to, to eat some breakfast and then suddenly he sees a female and it's full on. It's his tail over his head. He runs to one of his sexual display mounds and then she comes onto the mount because that's the only way she can see him because these mounds are they're quite, they're located in quite dense undergrowth. So she has to be right there on the mound to even see him. And then he performs an elaborate song and dance display. It's made up of three lyrebird original songs. So that's not mimicry. And he coordinates each of those songs with a set of dance movements. It's a coordinated song and dance movement. And then, if she stays and she likes him, she'll end up sort of underneath his tail. So the dancing is sort of happening around her. And then he gets on top of her for the copulation itself. And it's at that moment when he's on top of her that he switches from his beautiful elaborate song dance display songs to this imitation of a mixed species mobbing flock. The mobbing flock. This is where the new research from Dr Dalziel and her collaborators focuses, on something we didn't know that lyrebirds did. It's this set of flapping, chattering sounds that is a male lyrebird imitating a mixed species mobbing flock. The mixed species mobbing flock is a really exciting event that happens naturally It happens in ecosystems all around the world. It's not just birds that do this mobbing behaviour. But in Southeast Australia, in the forests where lyrebirds live, the mobbing flock is extremely conspicuous. It's conspicuous visually because you end up with this aggregation of birds in one spot, which is very unusual. But most dramatically, it's conspicuous acoustically. 
So what a modern clock is, or rather how it's formed when one individual bird, that's usually a, a prey species or something, so it's often a small bird, spies a hidden predator, such as a snake or an owl that's perched hidden in the foliage. And then the small bird will emit a very particular alarm call. Often this is an alarm call that's exclusively given in this situation, so it's called a mobbing alarm call, and they can be quite buzzy, sort of a low sound that's easy to locate. So you start off with one bird calling, alarm, alarm, alarm. And then that call serves to attract other individuals of the same species and also of other species until you get all these different species in the one spot surrounding a predator calling loudly. And sometimes calling is not all that they do. They'll fly at the predator over it really closely, sometimes even attacking the predator directly. So it's acoustically conspicuous, visually conspicuous, and it's a completely reliable cue of a hidden predator, you would think. You'd think. And what sort of species can give you a warning that snakes are in the grass? Because this is sort of important info. So when I'm walking through a forest, one thing that really catches my ear is the sustained buzzing alarm call of a white-browed scrub brand. So they go, it's really buzzy, it's very loud, it's very deep and it's continuous. Another one which is uh, particularly good is the eastern yellow robin. So eastern yellow robins, they're not particularly noisy birds, but when they see something like a snake, they have this very rapid fire Buzzy, but shorter sound. They're very continuous. It's pretty much in one location. And when I researched this sound in a bit more detail, I found that, in fact, yellow robins were sometimes in the past called snake birds (laughs) because they were used by snake catchers to locate snakes in the forest. So they're really a very good indication of a snake in particular in the forest, or at least that's their, their reputation literature. I'm not sure it's actually tested properly. So those two are very noisy mobbers. And the third one are the brown thornbills. So brown thornbills are really, really tiny little birds, less than 10 grams, but have very big voices. They also have a very buzzy mobbing alarm call as well. Another thing you can hear during the um, mobbing chorus is the sounds of the wing flutters of the small birds as they dart towards the predator, flying over it, maybe even attacking its body as well. So that's quite a noisy sound from from the wings of these small birds. I mean, we're all familiar with magpie wings. Terrifying. Or say, this sort of wing sound as a bigger bird comes into land... But small birds make little farty buzzers with their wings as they flap so fast that the individual wing beats all blend in together. Like this. But which bits of all this birdie neighbourhood watch hullabaloo do the lyrebirds mimic? So remarkable being when the male superb lyrebird is mimicking a mixed species while in flock. 
He's imitating multiple species. So that's the eastern yellow robin, the brown thornbill, white-browed scrub wren. They also will produce alarm calls of the eastern whipbird. Not only do they imitate multiple species, but they actually pattern those sounds to give the illusion that there's actually multiple species calling at the same time. So they sort of alternate elements of the, the different species or different individuals and even multiple individuals of the same species. And it's, it's really convincing. You could swear that there was more than one bird calling and they even sound like they're at different distances away from when you're listening just uh, to a single live bird. So they, they really give the illusion of, of this flock of birds. But they go one step further, these lyrebirds. They also imitate those sounds of the small birds flying over a predator. So the lyrebird is vocally imitating the wing beats of small birds too. This is one bird going through whipbirds, yellow robins, thornbills. Can you hear the wing beat in this recording of the male bird called Mr G? I'll play it again. Let me slow down that same recording that we just heard. This distorts the audio a little bit, but it gives us more of an opportunity to understand what this one bird is doing with his sounds. There's the whip bird, then multiple brown thornbills, wing flutters, yellow robins at the same time as thornbills. Here is vocal trickery, interweaving these sounds as if they were indeed multiple birds, multiple species, all calling and all moving within the space. Occasionally, the lyrebirds, particularly the ones that we recorded in Sherbrooke Forest in Victoria, that they would imitate these two calls from possum species. One was a a call from a ringtail possum. That's a lyrebird called Two Spots, making a ringtail possum sound. And here's a real ringtail, this recording from Harry in Melbourne. Thanks, Harry. And there's the lyrebird again. It's an excellent match. This is a lyrebird called Mr G doing a mountain brushtail possum, a bowbuck. And this is a real bowbuck. And this is Mr G again. Now, I delved into literature as much as I could trying to find out whether the function of these calls were known because it looked like the way the lyrebird was using these calls as part of a mobbing flock really suggested there were alarm calls of some kind. And I found some recordists and some people who worked with possums in a completely different context suggested they probably were alarm calls, but we just don't know for sure at this stage. This possum mimicry really blows my mind, right, because most possum alarm calls happen at night because most possums are nocturnal. Or say if there was a snake 
which tries to take a possum in the day from the den. The possum might make the calls at the same time as the small birds. I mean, but what is the frequency of all of these events lining up? A snake, a possum, a mobbing flock and a lyrebird within hearing distance. The lyrebird's ears must never rest. What we do know is that the mobbing flock mimicry is sufficiently accurate to fool the other species which share the habitat of lyrebirds. So we know that things like white browed scrub wrens, brown thornbills and various honey eaters and other small passerines, and occasionally some large ones too, they will react the same way to our recordings of a real mixed species mobbing flock and playback of lyrebird mimicry of mobbing flocks. So we do know that the accuracy is sufficiently high to full avian ears. Now don't go thinking that the birds are just silly. Here's a recording of a mobbing flock. And here's a lyrebird mimicking a mobbing flock. But why, and when the males make these distress calls of other birds, is where this gets really interesting. If a female comes onto his mound and he does a song dance display, then the moment she steps off the mound, if she's apparently not convinced, as she steps off, he switches from his song dance display to this imitation of a mixed species modern clock. And that's really abrupt. It really is within one to two seconds. And it always happens. It's very, very predictable. To the extent that if she then turns around and comes back onto the mound, the male will immediately stop doing his imitation of the species mobbing flock and go back to his own live original song and dance display. So it's a very tight association between females stepping off the mound and males producing this mixed species mobbing flock. But it's not only when she's trying to slip away into the forest that he uses this call. So the other context in which the males produce the mobbing flock mimicry is during mating itself. So he produces the elaborate song and dance display and his tail feathers are sort of over her head by the end of the display, end of the song and dance display. And he's actually behind her and it looks like at some stage he has like one wing over her tail. He's almost dancing beside her, but he's got his tail feathers over her head and in front of her. It must be a, a very full-on experience. But then when he mounts her for copulation, he stops singing his own original song and dance songs. He then switches to the mobbing plot mimicry. And in our videos taken uh, from our New South Wales population that we studied, uh, he's got his tail then behind him, so it's not on the display position at all. And he's mimicking the mixed species mobbing flock. But bizarrely, he seems to have his wings over her head, which he's flapping vigorously, presumably to stay on top, because it's quite a balancing act while she's there on the ground. 
But it looks like she can't see anything at all during the copulation, which goes on for ages. So he's mimicking a mixed species mowing flock. She's got her vision looks like obscured by the male's wings, which are flapping. And then it goes on for, for ages and ages and ages. It looks as though he's blocking her view during the mating, potentially preventing her from detecting his deception. So she can't look around and say, hey, there's no mobbing flock here, real mobbing flock. There's no predator. This is all another deception by the male because she's blind. She's sort of constrained by being under the male and all she can hear is this mobbing flock. What is the male exploiting here by attempting to make it sound as if there's a predator nearby? So it looks like the male is attempting to gain a reproductive advantage, in this case, getting copulation, by exploiting a female's anti-predator response to a real mixed species mobbing flock. It has all the hallmarks of sort of behaviour which has been described in other animals and it's known as a sensory trap. The female is considered trapped because the female needs to be sensitive and pay attention to real mixed species mobbing flocks because if she ignores a real event, she could risk being injured or eaten by a predator because these mobbing flocks are reliable indications, the presence of a, a concealed or hidden predator. So she needs to make sure that she pays attention. So we think that the male is trying to exploit the female's anti-predator behaviour. But how this might work, we're not quite sure. But there are some interesting clues from other species. One species is the topi antelope, in which has a kind of a similar situation to the lyrebirds in that the male displays from his special display spot and a female comes to visit him on his display spot and he does a little display. But then if she doesn't like him, she might leave without mating. And it's at this moment when she's trying to leave that the male topi antelope gives an alarm call, his own. It's called a snort. And the female will often stop and she might return to the male and she looks around for the predator. And the researchers were able to show that if the male can delay the female this way to stay a little bit longer, then he has more chance of mating with her. So it seems that this delay tactic does work in topi antelopes, and we suspect something similar is happening in the males per wyverts too. So the question is, why would a female then come back in response to the male mobbing chorus? Uh, we're not sure exactly, but one thing that's rather striking about the male's display platform is that he's dancing on this very cleared patch on the forest floor, and the mobbing flock that he's imitating sort of suggests there's something scary on the ground. So it might be a better option either to hang around with him because there's more eyes around to have a look or or maybe it's just a nice clear patch that she knows is free predators and she can stand there and then have a look and try and work out where this predator really is. It's sort of hard to talk about this without using words that have a moral judgement already attached to them. But Anastasia Dalziel's research has shown that this isn't one or two males, you know, as if they were bad eggs deceiving females. Every single male is doing it. During copulation, males always produce mimicry of a mixed species mobbing flock. 
So we've now got evidence they do it in two very distant populations, two populations that are actually classified as different subspecies of the superb lyrebird. And then we have very suggestive but less compelling examples when we see males practicing by themselves and they can get to the spot where they finish their song and dance display, they're about to start the mobbing flock and then they mount a log or a rock that's nearby so they are practicing that stage of the sexual interaction <laughs> by practicing copulation by getting on top and mimicking while they're yeah, standing on top of a, a female-like rock or something. So we think it's extremely important and uh, they always do it. So one of the really bizarre findings in all this is actually the fact that superb lyrebirds copulate for so long. So lyrebirds are songbirds and songbirds, nearly all of them, uh, copulate for less than two seconds. It's typically one second and it's quick, quiet and often very discreet. So this was totally bizarre to have the lyrebirds copulating for so long. And the fact that they're calling at the same time really suggests that the males are trying to delay the females and extend that duration of copulation. So we need to explain why the copulation goes on for so long, as well as explain how males benefit from mimicking a mixed species mobbing flock. And there are some clues from other species, mainly invertebrates, and they've looked at copulation duration and it's been found that males are more likely to be successful in fertilizing eggs if they copulate for a long time in mating systems where females mate with lots of males. So males can increase perhaps their portion of eggs that they fertilize or their chance of fertilizing at all if they can prolong the copulation. So we think males are probably trying to do something like this. They're trying to compete with any other males that the females might mate with. But actually, we know so little about superb lyrebirds. We, have, we don't know if an individual female will copulate with more than one male per breeding season. So, but it, it has the hallmarks of uh, yeah, competition, of a strategy to compete with, with other males. There's another nice hint from a study on jungle fowl, that's your commonal garden chooks, that showed that a rooster could reduce the chance that a hen would try and copulate with another rooster simply by mounting the female. So he didn't even need to transfer sperm. So it may be just prolonging copulation reduces the chances that that particular female will go off and then go and mate with the neighbour next door. And the other thing that we've noticed that on the videos we've got the right camera angle it really looks like he doesn't even attempt to transfer sperm until right at the end of the copulation. So in the last three to four seconds. And at that moment, you can actually hear his wing beats get faster and he switches position. So even in the, just the audio recording, you can hear the sudden pickup in speed of his wings just before the end. This research is incredible. 
It shows that there is so much more to lyrebirds than sweet songs and show-off males on a dance floor. The theory is, is that these tactics are used for biological survival because without successful copulation, the male will fail in his mission to have the forest inhabited solely by his progeny. But by undertaking this sort of sensory trap, in a way he's taking the choice away from the female to select the strongest father in her eyes. And what impact that might have in the future, we'll just have to wait and see. But Lord, please don't at me in the meantime, that's all we need, a hashtag saying not all liarbirds or something. I made a series about lyrebirds that heavily featured Dr Anastasia Dalziel's work and had lots more explanations of the complexities of lyrebird song and dance. We'll make sure it's linked in the show notes. I'm Ann Jones and this is Off Track. Make sure you shut down the computer and make space for nature in time for next week. That's when I'll take you somewhere else. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.